Welcome to Living Faith Lutheran Radio Program here on KBEC AM 1390. I am Pastor Scott Marks. Visit us online at living-faith.church or better yet in person. We worship every Sunday at 10 a.m. at the Midlothian Conference Center, number one Community Circle Drive, Midlothian, Texas, 76065. Living Faith Lutheran is a new church in Midlothian, Texas, serving people in Midlothian and surrounding areas. And now be encouraged by today's message. Now's the time to take out the Living Faith Notes, the full page insert in your worship bulletin. As you're doing so, I want to welcome those who are listening via podcast or are listening or watching online at living-faith.church or are listening to KBEC FM 99.1 or AM 1390. So I mentioned before, we are in the final chapter of 1 Peter in our study called Live New. So we're in chapter 5 this morning, verses 1 through 7. Listen now to the word of God. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So we're in the final chapter, as mentioned before, of 1 Peter. Peter is wrapping up his epistle, his letter. And likewise, we're wrapping up our sermon series. We're going to finish in, in two weeks. Now, it's good to keep in mind the original audience, those to whom Peter was inspired to originally write. And we know that he's writing to uh, Christians who are being persecuted, who are now being scattered throughout the regions of Galatia, Pontus, Cappadocia, and Bithynia. These are vast areas of land which are in modern-day Turkey. Now, it might seem that, you know, these are Christians who are on the go, who are being scattered and, and, and persecuted, that, that they were on their own, right? That they were in a, in a helpless situation. It may seem that way, but that's not accurate. Even though they're being persecuted and scattered, God still had a safety net for them, as God has a safety net for us as well. And, and that safety net is the community of believers, otherwise known as the church. So today, in these first seven uh, verses of chapter 5, we are going to look at the unique structure of the Christian community 
And we're going to break that down. And then we're going to look at its special strength. And it's a strength that lasts to this very day. First of all, the unique structure of the Christian community. It begins with the flock. Verses 2 and 3, even though Peter is writing to the pastors, we're going to get to that in a second. Verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Verse 3, not lording over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now, we're used to that. We're used to being referred to as a flock, but it is kind of interesting, isn't it? What gathering of people are referred to as a flock? A flock is unique to a flock of birds, but also a flock of sheep. And of all the things that God could describe us as, as far as animals are concerned, God says that the Christian, the believer, is most like a sheep. God could have said, you know, that, that, that we're, we're sleek and uh, we're like a cougar or a bear or something like that. No, no. We are like sheep. Now, think about that. Is that necessarily a compliment that we are sheep? I mean, sheep, they are not the fastest of animals. They're actually very slow. Sheep are defenseless for the most part. They don't have sharp teeth. They don't have sharp claws. Um, sheep are very vulnerable to being casted. And what that means is they're very heavy because of their wool. They have short legs. And if you can knock a sheep over, it's very hard for that sheep to get back up on its feet. It's extremely vulnerable to natural predators. Sheep are nearsighted. They see what's in front of them. They don't necessarily look and see what's a long ways away. They're hungry most of the time, so they're, they're grazing. They see the, 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 the grass in front of them. And because they're nearsighted, they like to wander. And, and a sheep can very easily wander from the rest of the flock, put itself in grave danger, be surrounded by predators, and not even know it. And the Bible says that we all, like sheep, have sinned and have wandered away. We're prone to wandering because of our sin. So I am convinced that sheep alone disprove Darwin's theory of evolution. Darwin said that the only survival of the fittest, right? You take an animal that cannot run fast, that cannot defend itself, that wanders, that makes itself vulnerable to prey, that doesn't match survival of the fittest. There are some positive characteristics though for sheep, they, they do produce wool, right, in, in, in the real world, which is a very good product. Sheep also are, are, are cute and cuddly, think of lambs. But the quality about a sheep that perhaps is, is the most complimentary is that sheep have good ears, they listen well. A, a sheep can distinguish between human voices, uh, shepherds, the, the sheep know their shepherd. And if somebody is not their shepherd speaks to them, they're fearful of that. They know their shepherd. I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, but, but Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. They know me. They follow me. So God refers to us again as sheep, and we are his flock. Living faith Lutheran, you're part of the flock of God. We need each other. We really do. Sheep are meant to flock together. 
If we're by ourselves, again, we, we are putting ourselves in a vulnerable situation. Jesus, the good shepherd, leaves the 99 to go follow, find the one lost sheep and bring them back to the flock. There, there is safety in the flock. Now, how is it that sheep have survived over the eons of time that we've lived in? And I believe it's because of shepherds. Sheep need strong shepherds. When it comes to a Christian congregation, God provides shepherds. There is one main shepherd. He's the chief shepherd. We're going to talk about him in a few minutes. But God also provides under shepherds, people like me. People that came from the flock, that God gives the desire to be called to lead, that he equips, and that he calls into ministry. Now, Peter knew this. Again, these weren't Christians that were scattered and just completely left to themselves. They were still being gathered. They were still being led. And, and Peter addresses the pastors of these Christian communities. Now, he refers to them in, in three different ways. And, and I'm going to point this out to you. So in verse 1, it says, To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, and who also share in the glory to be revealed. You might say, well, he's talking about elders, right? And we have elders in our congregation, and we do. But the word elder here, in context, it's, it's talking about um, one who has been called to lead a flock of, of believers. And the, the Greek word that's translated elder as, is presbyteros. Presbyteros. We get Presbyterian from that, right? It comes from this Greek word. Literally, a presbyterist is a person who is called to lead a flock. Leadership is necessary. Called to lead a flock. Now, he also refers to the same group as shepherds. And he says, verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock that it's under your care. The Greek word for shepherd here is poimino. And it means one who is called to feed a flock. So, uh, again, presbyterus called to lead, and, and a shepherd, or uh, poimino, one who is called to feed. And, and shepherds in the real world, they would either lead sheep to a place that they could graze and be fed, or they would provide through storehouses the, the grasses for the sheep to, to eat. So they, they're, they're, they're constantly feeding the flock. Thirdly, Peter refers to those same group of people, and they're called to watch over. Again, verse 2, be shepherds of God's flocks under care, watching over them. The Greek word is episkopos, right? And we get episcopalian from that, that word. Episkopos literally means an, a person who's called to oversee or to keep a flock. All three of these uh, point to who we refer to as, as pastors. And it's, it's, it's very special to me as I was going through the, the text that Peter, he identifies with these men who are called to lead and to shepherd uh, the, these community of, of, of believers. Uh, Peter says this, To the elders among you, I appeal to you as a fellow elder and witness of Christ's suffering. Fellow elder, fellow pastor. Reminds me of uh, Peter's own life experience. 
He was called to be a disciple, right, a student of Jesus, and, and, and like the other 12, was with Jesus for the most part, 24-7, for three and a half years. But those disciples were ultimately called to be pastors of Christians and believers. Uh, Peter disowned Jesus three times, as you know, the evening that Jesus was betrayed. And that was a very serious sin for, for Peter to say, I don't know him. I'm not identifying with him. After Jesus died and after he rose again, Jesus appeared, one of his appearances was along the, the, the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He had breakfast with his disciples. And then he has alone time with Peter. Again, the last time that, that um, they were alone, a conversation, or at least a context, Peter was denying him. And, and, and Jesus said to Peter, he asked my question, do you love me? And Peter answered, yes, I, I love you. You remember what, what Jesus said to Peter? He said, feed my lambs, right? A lamb, a baby sheep. He asked him a second time, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus uses a different word for love, but, but still Peter, Peter's like, well, yes, I love you. And then Jesus said, take care of my sheep, right? That's the role of a pastor, to, to feed and, and take care of. And then Jesus asked him a third time, do you love me? And Peter was hurt. Lord, you've asked me two other times, now a third time. Yes, I love you. You know all things. You're God. And then Jesus said, feed my sheep. What was Jesus doing? He, he was saying, Peter, yeah, you blew it. You sinned big time. You're forgiven in me. And I'm still going to use you in ministry. You are a pastor. So Peter could have said, to the pastors that are out there, these community of, of believers that are per, Christians being persecuted, I'm Peter, I'm one of the original 12. I'm one that one of the gates of the New Jerusalem are named after, you know, listen to me. He doesn't say that. He says, I am Peter, a fellow elder, a fellow pastor. So in essence, a pastor's job is threefold. It is to lead, it is to feed, and it is to watch over or keep a, a gathering of, of Christians. Uh, quite interesting, it was about a month ago that our sister in the faith, Susie Patchkey, was called to heaven. And the funeral director, and this is very typical of Christian funerals, that at the end of the service, he asked the pastor to go in front of the casket. Why is that? It's tradition because my job is that until Christ returns, the chief shepherd, or until a believer goes home to heaven, my job is to faithfully lead, keep, and feed. And by the way, the funeral director asked me to lead the, the hearse to the graveside. I had to decline because everyone would have gotten lost because I didn't know where it was located. <laughs> now, Peter goes on to cover some other things about the under-shepherds, the flock, excuse me. The second point is the under-shepherd. He tells them what they are not to do and then makes a positive what they are to do. So verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them, not because you must, but because you are willing. That's an important point. It's important for a pastor to be willing, to want to be a pastor, not because you must. I first came across this at Northwestern College. Uh, I had no intention of becoming a pastor, and I was going a different career path, but um, 
God changed my, my mind. I pursued, uh, I pursued becoming a pastor. I went to a place called Northwestern College. And I assumed everyone there would, would be like me. They were there because they, they want to pursue this thing of becoming a pastor eventually. But I found out that there were some there that were very unhappy. These were young men who simply did not want to be there. And as I got to know them, they all had one thing in common. Either their dad was a pastor, or their grandpa was a pastor, or their great-grandpa was a pastor, or all of the above. And it was just expected, you are going to become a pastor. And the problem is, they didn't want to. And it, it was difficult for them. My, eventually, my heart went out to them. I'm like, you're being forced to. This has got to be something you want to do. So Peter, again, talks about that. Not because you have to, but because you want to. goes on to say, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not pursuing dishonest gain. You might say, well, why would that be a part of ministry? Satan will use anything. And unfortunately, there is in the world at large, and even in the Christian church, you do find pastors that are in it for, for the wrong reason, in it for, for dishonest gain. Um, there, there are televangelists that they justify flying in, in private jets. And, and there's, there's the potential of, of, of great financial gain. I've never seen it in our church body. Um, but still, Peter says, not for, for that. Sometimes we come across this in the foreign mission fields, where we have missionaries in a foreign mission, and the, the funding that's there, and then in a, in a country where there's, there's not much money or income, and they say, oh, this, this guy makes a good living, and they, they want to become a pastor for financial gain. No, not, not for that, but rather, um, be, but because you want to eager, be, are eager to serve. Thirdly, verse 3, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples of the flock. So it's God's flock you're entrusted to the care of a pastor and the temptation that Satan will put there is lord it over, right? Have a heavy hand, lord it over the congregation. No, not lording it over, but being an example, again, example to the flock. Now, a pastor is not to be a people pleaser. And, and, and that's, that's a lesson that, 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 I, that I had to learn. By nature, I like to be a people pleaser, but it doesn't work. You try to please everyone, you end up pleasing no one. But the Bible is clear, your job is to please God, right? You work for the Lord. He's the chief shepherd. Be close to him. You're working for him. And, and verse 4 says it this way, And when the chief shepherd appears, you also will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Um, Galatians 1.10, Paul puts it this way, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to, be a, to please people? If I were trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, the goal is not to, I'm going to automatically displease you. That's not the point. But first and foremost, Christ, I want to please him. My goal every day is, as a child of God, but also as a pastor, is to go to bed with a clear conscience that things I've done wrong, I've confessed to my Lord, and that Jesus, I'm a pastor, is totally a privilege and I'm here to serve you and, and to please him, because that's, again, what, what the scriptures teach. 
Now, my ministry will be judged. Every pastor's ministry will be judged. James puts it this way, not many of you should become teachers. The context is pastor-teacher, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Again, God holds me accountable. Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians 3, 10 through 15, by the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder and someone else is building on it, but each one should build with care for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has already been laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it's burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet he will be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. So again, each builder build on Christ. If you build on other things, they're not going to last. Um, in the end, God knows. Um, and, and the quality of it, it's building heavenly treasure, relationships in Christ, things that will last the test of time and when, when Christ uh, returns. Now, this is my 25th year in ministry. Uh, the time has really flown. And, and I will say a few things here that, that it's a privilege. No pastor should take being a pastor for granted. Likewise, no under pastor is irreplaceable. Only Jesus is irreplaceable. I am replaceable. Um, that's the way it is. I, I am an under-shepherd. Now, it's, it's vital that every pastor stay strong in the Lord. And I give you my word. I'm staying strong in the Lord, in his word, on a regular basis, studying scripture, being into the word, being fed with the word of God. And, and also, you have my word that I'm communicating with God on a regular basis through prayer. A pastor absolutely has to do this. Otherwise, again, how can he lead, feed, and keep the flock of God that's under his care? Now, if my job is to feed, lead, and keep, again, you have to ask, am, am I doing that job? Um, I hope you feel fed with God's word as you come to worship. Now, we're a mission congregation. There, there are some things that we don't have in, in place yet. I do feel that a weakness is uh, God's word Bible study throughout the week. I'm asking you to do it on your own. I, I know that, that, that I do on my own. But some weaknesses are, as we go forward, more Bible studies are necessary uh, through the week or, or on Sunday morning. And, and those are things that, that, that I am uh, aware of. Let's move on to the, the third part of this unique structure, the chief shepherd and this is what's so vitally important, what makes it so unique. We don't see Jesus. We believe him. We accept that he's there, that he's at the right hand of God the Father, that he's among us, that I'm accountable to him, you're accountable to him. He knows everything that's going on, that as, as I do my job and lead, keep and feed, ultimately that's Jesus. That he's, he's working through his body to lead, feed, and keep us. He's the chief shepherd, verse 4. And when the chief shepherd appears, you also receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. The point man is shepherd. This is the archie point man, the chief shepherd. Um, it's Jesus who is the good shepherd, Jesus alone 
who laid his life down for the sheep, for the entire world, to give us everlasting life. It's, it's Jesus again as that, that beautiful good shepherd, chief shepherd that is, is ruling all things for the good of his church and is the one that, that stays close to us, the one, that, the one that we commune with when we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Um, so that's the unique structure, flock, under shepherd, chief shepherd. Throughout the last 2,000 years, this structure is in place. God has wisdom in it. Some might say that's an ancient structure. It doesn't apply today. Not true. It does apply today. This is the structure that God has placed forth. I don't know why God does it. I don't know why he has chosen people like me to be under shepherds. I often wonder, why didn't you ask the angels to do that? Angels are proclaimers, right? Um, but yeah, God has asked people that are sinful like me, redeemed, and, and to, to be a pastor and a shepherd. But Jesus at the full time, at all times, being the chief shepherd. So that's the unique structure. Let's look nextly at its special strength. And the first thing is submitting to God-given authority. Verse 5, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, we've come across this before. Five times in 1 Peter, he talks about this thing called submission. And again, the world recoils at that, submit. Why would I do that? And the Bible says it's actually necessary to lovingly support somebody else who is leading. Um, and he's referring here to younger people uh, supporting, again, uh, the leaders in, in that congregation. But the Bible makes it clear that submission is necessary in every congregation for, for everyone. Listen to what the, the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. So likewise, lovingly supporting leadership, and that is part of what makes this structure work. First and foremost, submitting to Christ in everything, but also submitting to each other and submitting to leadership. The next uh, thing, special strength, is humility. Verses 5 and 6. In the same way, again, you who are younger, submit yourselves to the elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because, and he quotes the Old Testament, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. God opposes the proud. God lines up literally against the proud. If you want God against you, develop pride in your heart. And we all have to watch for that. Pride is Paul of our sinful nature. Pride is what caused Satan to fall. And, and pride is the, the, the downfall of, of congregations. Uh, pride is the downfall of Christians. Um, if you think you're standing firm, be careful lest you fall. Now, again, Peter says that we are to clothe ourselves with humility toward one another. Clothe ourselves. One of the translations I came across says, put on the overalls of humility. I like that. It's very descriptive. The overalls of humility. Now, what is humility? Um, some say that you know, humility is thinking um, lesser of yourself. That's not humility. That's a false humility. C.S. Lewis had it right 
C.S. Lewis, the Christian author, said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And there is a difference. Think of yourself less. Think of others more. Think of your Lord more. And, and, and focus on them. Focus on, on serving them. You know, the ultimate display of humility, again, is Jesus Christ. The ultimate display of submission is Jesus. The ultimate display of humility, Philippians chapter, few, uh, chapter 2. Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or something to be paraded around. But he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Without humility, there would be no salvation. Jesus' humility, allowing himself to die in our place. And the Bible says, therefore God exalted him to the highest place, that at every that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. And one day that will happen. So we, we look at this again, humility. Jesus displays it perfectly. And likewise, in a Christian congregation, that, that safety net, that we are to put on the overalls of humility before everyone, right? Focusing on each other's needs and how we might serve them. Um, it's the strength of our salvation in Christ. And likewise, as Christians, we are to reflect that same sort of humility towards each other. And that's really what makes the shepherd sheep community work. Finally, God's care. Humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Cast your anxiety is, is part of it is prayer. That uh, the Bible says that, that don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and petition, present your request to God. Casting anxiety, the things that worry us. Do you think those Christians who are being persecuted and scattered, do you think they were a little bit worried? More likely, cast your anxiety on him, the chief shepherd. He cares for you. My friends, God cares for you dearly. You might be going through some tough times, going through some hardships. Realize that your good shepherd is by your side. He's there for you. He's providing you everlasting life. He understands what you're going through. He's provided you Christian community. Right here, living faith, we're a Christian community. God intends for us to be a safety net for each other as we grow closer and closer to the good shepherd, Jesus. So, so live new in Christian community and, and thank God that he has gathered us together here as his flock. To Jesus be the glory. Amen.